Hi, welcome to the Life Church Utah podcast. We are a church located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. Check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. Um, I love hearing stories of what God's doing, especially among the youngest of us, and heard a story this, uh, this past week that uh, honestly was really kind of beautiful, and it was a young, young girl uh, whose parents don't attend here, but grandparents do, and uh, this grandmother, as I was talking to her, was sharing how this granddaughter, now how many of you have like an Alexa device or a Google device or something like that in your house? Raise your hand really quickly. You know, sometimes you can find out like weird information from Alexa, you can, you know, whatever. Okay, so this young child, what she does is wakes up in the morning and says, Alexa, play some Hillsong worship for me. (laughs) And she is like a seven-year-old, something like that, uh, listens to worship music during the mornings when she's getting ready. uh, And uh, really that's a lot of that is attributed to grandparents who are faithful in bringing their grandkids, right? We're grateful for that. Um, but, uh, But a young girl who gets it, right, and understands the value of relationship with the Lord. And I heard that story. I just wanted to share with you, God's up to work, up to his work in our children's, in our youth, and uh, just so many great things uh, for that. Um, So turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 5. How many of you know that God is a God of miracles? Right? He is, uh, he, all these signs that he gives through miracles, they all point back to Jesus. It's all about him. And uh, so John chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to have to uh, hurry a little bit through the message today, but uh, I think it's worth it with uh, the worship we had and those moments we have with the Lord, right? Those are uh, super important for us. But John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and I want to read through the, the entire story. Sometimes I kind of break the story down, but I'm going to read through the entire story. I feel like it's important for us to get the whole picture, uh, the, the problem, what, how Jesus interacted, and then the final result of it. So here we go, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, so uh, after John chapter 4, right? After this, there was a Jewish feast, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool called Bethzatha. Now uh, some of your versions will have Bethesda, uh, things like that, but Bethzatha in Aramaic, which has five covered walkways. A great number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people were lying in these in these walkways. Now a man who had um, now a man uh, was there who had been disabled for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that the man had been disabled for a long time already, he said to him, and Jesus said to him, do you want to become well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. While I am trying to get into the water, someone else goes down there before me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, the man was healed, and he picked up his mat and started walking. And then the statement from uh, John, now that day was a Sabbath. So this setting that we have is the Pool of Bethesda, or Pool of Bethzatha. It's uh, um, an ancient place 
of um, where, where there's like a superstition associated with it. We've got a picture uh, for you. I was there a, a number of years ago. This is in Jerusalem, and uh, this is the Pool of Bethesda, or Pool of Bethzatha. And uh, there are actually through there the five colonnades, all of that stuff. This, uh, this was actually filled up to the top uh, before they, when they found it, they realized there's stuff there. They dug down and found the original pool and all that stuff. So uh, really a cool, uh, kind of a cool place there in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, so there, there was this idea there that um, the stirring of the waters would produce healing power and the first person to get into the waters uh, would be healed. Uh, maybe like an old wives' tale. Now, how many of you uh, have heard old wives' tales before? I don't really know why they're called old wives' tales, but that's what they say they are, right? Anybody seen my big fat Greek wedding? Windex cures everything, right? That's that thing. Spray it on pimples and all it all goes away. Uh, ancient Rome, there was a cure for rabies. You ready for this one? In ancient Rome, people thought they could treat rabies. According to Pliny the Elder, a naturalist and an author, anyone bitten by a mad dog should be treated by having their wound cut open and covered with raw veal. Then the patient should eat a diet of lime and hog's fat. And then the patient would drink a concoction made with wine and boiled badger dung. Man, give me ancient Roman society. Let me live there. Asthma. Anybody, anybody have asthma, right? Here's, an, here's a cure for you from the 19th and 20th century. So not that long ago. Uh, asthma cigarettes. Makes sense, <laughs> right? Uh, and they were made with... Uh, Special ingredients that would help you, um, stramonium, which is poisonous, <laughs> belladonna, which is not very exciting, and then has tobacco, of course. Uh, those are some of the I mean, toxic ingredients in order to cure asthma. Right? It just makes no sense, right? Old wives' tales, right? And somebody you know, felt like that they should let other people know that this is a way to get healed. So... Um, so in this, uh, in the story, many of you, uh, if you're reading your Bibles, uh, some of your Bibles go from verse three to verse five, and it drops out verse four. And verse four is this explanation of what happens there. And this ancient idea was that an angel would stir the water and the first person to jump into the water would get healed. And so uh, many scholars think that verse four uh, was added later as like explaining what this was, but might not have been in the original manuscript uh, that was written by, uh, by John at the time. And so Jesus asked this question of this guy who is sitting there beside this pool of water who's hoping to get into it. He says, do you want to be well? Now, this in this moment reveals that this guy has no idea who's talking to him. He's got no clue <laughs> because he begins to explain, in essence, the superstition of the day. And he starts to explain to, uh, to Jesus that um, I would love to get into the water, but there's no way because for him, I can't walk. I, I've got no way to get in there. And he says, unless somebody helps me. And, and you have this, uh, have this moment, if you read between the lines, that there's almost the sense that this guy's completely alone. Uh, there's um, kind of a, a piteousness. Is that even a piteousness? Is that even a word? I don't know, but I just made it up, right? There's a pity associated with self-pity that's going on uh, with his life. I've got no friends, nobody there to help me uh, into this. And how do you think everybody around this pool who was sick, remember there's many people around there, how did they look at each other? Did they have an intense love and identity with one another in that moment? 
No, why not? Because only the fastest lived. Right? How would you feel if only the fast people got the blessing? How many of you are fast runners? <laughs> One or two of you are brave enough to raise your hand. <laughs> Even pregnant. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> She's out there running the mile, running the, running the marathon pregnant. Um, right? So only the fast survive. So people might wonder, is this guy trying to work the system when Jesus comes up and talks to him? The guy sizes Jesus up. He's strong enough. Looks like he was a carpenter at one point. He's, I, can, I could just have him drag me to the pool as soon as the waters start to stir. He's trying to gain an advantage. Um, when looking at the story from, with the first two miracles in perspective, we had Jesus turning the water into wine, and we've got the healing of the royal official's son. Those are the first two that are mentioned in the book of John. Now, both of those are at the direct request of somebody to work a miracle. First one, Jesus' mother says, hey, they've run out of wine, do whatever Jesus says, right? So there's a request implied in there by, uh, by Mary. And then the second one, the royal official is potentially on his knees begging Jesus to heal him. And so Jesus responds, in this case, we don't see any of that. This guy has no clue who Jesus is. This guy has no idea that Jesus has perhaps even done miracles. He has no clue whatsoever. And so Jesus, looking at the needs around him, pinpoints this guy. Why this guy and not perhaps the tens or twenties or hundreds that are gathered around the pool? We got no idea, right? There's nothing here that says Jesus chose this guy over others for this particular reason. But when Jesus walks up, says, do you want to be well? This guy says, in essence, yeah, I want to be well but I don't see how this is going to happen because I can never make it to the water. The question is, why was Jesus there in the first place? <laughs> or one of the questions, right? Because Jesus is going to Jerusalem. This is not the seat of power that he should have been at if he wanted to proclaim a name for himself. He should have been where the Sanhedrin was. Uh, that, that's like the, the Jewish rulers. He should have been, uh, you know, kind of around the temple where everybody, where all the action was. He should have been with the power brokers and the people of authority. But Jesus finds himself among the brokenhearted and the hurting. And isn't this the heart of God? Right? Because all of us are in that circumstance in one way, shape, or form. All of us are unwell. All of us are broken in some way. And uh, I love Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. This shows the heart of God. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits are crushed. Have you ever been brokenhearted in your life? <laughs> God's right there. Have you ever felt crushed in your spirit? God is right there. So these gathered at the pool were among the brokenhearted, and uh, this question from Jesus, by the way, is not a no-brainer, right? I mean, you would think that, right? Looking at it from the outside, you'd go, well, uh, you know, this guy is obviously uh, injured or hurt or some way. He's lame. He can't walk. So something is going on. You would think it's a no-brainer, but the reality is people who have been hurt for a very, very long time sometimes don't want to be well. Right, Because now, perhaps, this guy might be thinking to himself after 38 years, I've got no tradable skill. I don't have any knowledge about it. I mean, I've learned to live with this, and I'm okay with it. 
Have you ever been so broken before that you're okay living broken? I think sometimes we get there. And if we had a pool of Bethesda and the waters were stirring and it was stirring up there, sometimes we would hesitate to get in, right? Because I don't want to be well. So this question that Jesus asked in this moment is not a no-brainer. Because God understands our hearts. God understands all of those things that are within us. And for 38 years, this guy, broken beside the pool of Bethzatha, he's there. But he was there. Right? There was something there of hope within him. What about you? What about you in the broken areas of your life? Is there still hope? Is there still something in there that when you wake up in the morning, you go, today's going to be a different day. Today is the day that I finally quit. Right? Today is the day that, that I see this circumstance in a different way. Um, so Jesus hears the response uh, of this guy, he says, uh, yeah, but I've got no way to get it down to the water, right? So Jesus hears that. He reads between the lines. He sees a bit of hope in this individual's life. And uh, Jesus looks at him and says in verse 11, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, this guy had shown no faith He didn't show any belief. He didn't show any sense of, again, knowledge of who this Jesus was. And yet Jesus, by a simple command, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. What would have been in that moment for this guy? Remember, he he doesn't know, and this guy looks at him and says, get up and walk. Are you nuts? Right? I mean, put yourself in that position of that guy who's been hurt for 38 years, and this guy that he doesn't know from Adam, literally, <laughs> he has no idea who this guy is, says, get up and walk. The Bible says, immediately, the guy got up and walked. Something about Jesus. There is something about him. And I love it that when Jesus was making this statement, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk, get out of here. He wasn't saying, hey, stand up and show everybody around here that you're healed. He wasn't saying, stand up and, you know, pick up your mat and, you know, walk around for a little bit because you're going to come back here and lay down again and kind of go back to your old life. Jesus was basically saying, if you read between the lines, saying, pick up your mat and walk out of here because you are never coming back to this place again. You're never going to be in the same position that you were for the last 38 years. I am changing everything in your life right now. And something inside this man just couldn't sit there any longer. There was something there. I'm going to invite our worship team to uh, come on back up. Um, 
As I've been preparing for, uh, for today's message, and looking back at, you know, uh, probably a couple of months ago, looking at where we were headed, um, this story is one of those that, uh, that really caught my heart in, uh, in a lot of ways. But especially because I, I know, I've, I mean, my wife and I've been here now for, I would say, 38 years. No, we haven't been here 38 years, and so that's back to the story. Uh, we've been here about three years, and I know some of your stories. I don't know all of your stories, but I know some of your stories, And I know in some of those stories, what I have heard is similar to this guy's, right? 38 years or 40 years or six years or whatever it is of this broken thing in my life, right? A a hurt or a wound that I cannot get over a sinful decision that I had in my life that I cannot stop living without regret. Something happened, a decision that I made, a a moment in my life that has identified me for the last 38 years and this brokenness in me remains. And I become a victim in my own heart of it and I'm never gonna see freedom. What would Jesus ask you? Right, what would Jesus ask you? Do you want to be well? That's, that's the question that he asked of this guy. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be free from addiction? Do you want your marriage to be what you know it should be? Do you want your children to come back to faith because they are wandering far away and it's been years and you're right there beside that same pool you've been at time after time after time trying to fix this thing on your own what question would Jesus ask you what is that question that you're longing for Jesus to ask you because you know you've thought about it over and over and over and over again. But just like this man, there is a next moment in this decision that you make. Right, he says, yeah, I wanna, I, but I wanna get better, but I can't get down there. Jesus has a response. He says, take up your mat and walk. So there's something that this guy then is responsible to do because Jesus has proclaimed it, it's up to him at this moment to receive it. So what would Jesus' response be to you? When you say, yes, Jesus, I I want healing, what would his response be? It was a very, very practical response on Jesus' part. Pick up your mat and walk. For some of you, it's (laughs) reach out for help for the depression that you are fighting day after day after day after day after day stop thinking you can do it on your own for some of you it's stop staying up after midnight because in the darkness you think you can get away with stuff right isn't that practical isn't that what Jesus is asking this guy to do here Here are the triggers that lead to fulfilling bad habits in your life. And God is asking you to pinpoint those things in your life and say enough is enough. 
God's asking you to maybe get off of social media because all that happens when you get on there is that you see everybody else's life and you compare it, their fake life on social media, by the way, their fake life to your real life and think your real life should be like their fake life? Come on, right? So what question would Jesus ask you and what is he asking you in response? So there's this partnership implied in the man doing what Jesus asks. Will you partner with Jesus in your freedom? Will you do that? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to invite our, our worship team, or not our worship team, our, uh, our prayer team. I know we've got a handful of our prayer team. If you guys could go ahead and come on up at this time. Here's what I want to do. We've got like five minutes or so here at the close. Um, when we have like this guy, right? That intensity, that moment. Can, can you guys come on over to this side? Um, at that, that moment we say, yes, I want to be healed, but I can't do this on my own. In the power of Christ, we get an opportunity, right? We get a new opportunity to receive that healing. And with him, we can conquer the things that for a long time have conquered us, right? And so here's what I would like to do. And we're not gonna get a chance to pray with everybody, right? I mean, I, I know that, I recognize that. But if there is a thing in your life that you feel like you have struggled with, like this guy for 38 years, maybe it is 38 years, and this is exactly for you. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's, maybe it's a week, and you say, this is too much for me to handle. And you would say, I need Jesus to speak over my life and healing. If that's you, can you just come on down to the front? Right, this is just that moment, right? A very practical response for us is to do this. Come on up, it does, we don't know why people are coming up, right? So it doesn't matter, but is there something in your life you'd say, I'm done fighting this, it's been too long, I am just ready for Jesus to touch me. Come on down. Come on down, there's, there's, there is hope and help, right? Anybody else just come to right? I've got, there's no heads bowed, no eyes closed, right? In this moment, this is one of those moments you just say, I just need Jesus to touch me. There is this thing in my life that I need him to touch me. If that's you, come on down. I really believe God has something for you. I really do. And from the balcony as well, you can come on down. I'm gonna invite us to just take a moment and worship. Stephen, if you wouldn't mind leading us in worship. And uh, folks, let's lift our hands, right? This is our time. You guys can come on up to the front here. Um, this is our time, right, to worship. Take a moment. Pray for these who've come down. Ask God's blessing on them. Stephen or Natalie. It's all about who you are. It's all about you. 
God. Lord, we want your presence to be in us and through us. Father, I lift up these who've come forward. Lord, I'm grateful for their response. I'm grateful, God, that there's that sense of freedom, that sense, oh God, that only you, oh God, can heal us. Only you, oh God, can set us free from whatever that is. And God, I'm grateful for the opportunity we have to be with you. I want to do one quick follow-up here. And uh, it says in John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is super important for us to get. So remember, this guy didn't know who Jesus was. So he was confronted a little bit later uh, by other people who saw him healed. They knew he had been healed, and he didn't know who had healed him. And so this guy finds himself in the temple. And so Jesus makes his way over to the temple and happens to find this guy. And look at what Jesus says to this guy. He says, after Jesus found him at the temple, he said to him, look, you have become well. So Jesus acknowledges the healing. This guy says, yep, I'm healing, I'm walking around. But notice what Jesus says. Don't sin anymore. Folks, there are times we make these ironclad decisions for Christ on a Sunday morning, and then we try to go back to the old way that we've lived, thinking there's no big deal. Right? This is not meant to be condemnation. This, that's not my heart here, but, but these are Jesus' words to somebody who had just received a touch from him. And Jesus says, don't sin anymore. Jesus does this time and time again with those who were healed, right? The woman caught in adultery in that moment. Jesus says, go and sin no more, right? So this is the response that we have to the healing, to the touch, to the freedom from addiction, all of that, right? This is what we do as we walk out in the confidence that Christ is for us. And Jesus said, in essence by this, don't sin anymore, that this becomes for us, okay, God, today's a new day. I'm walking in the wholeness of Jesus Christ in a new way. And if you came forward and received prayer, if you stayed there where you were and uh, believing Jesus to change your life, right, this is now our responsibility. God, help us to live lives that are holy and pleasing to him. So Father God, we lift up uh, your name. We ask Jesus that you would guide us into righteousness, into holiness, guide us, O oh God, so that we don't return to sinful ways, we don't return to sinful habits, we don't return to things that, re that, uh, um, that turn glory away from you and put eyes upon ourselves. God, we want to honor you and please you with our life. And so, Lord, help us to do that through the power of your Spirit living in us. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people. God, I ask that you... Uh, Lord, we just uh, um, affirm the healing that we have received today and that, God, you would go with us from this place. And Jesus, I know that we're made just a little bit more like you, and God, I, I'm grateful that you've called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. And so, God, help us to live radically generous lives. Help us intentionally love others around us. And God, let your word come alive to us today, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Help us represent you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. See you next week.